Welcome back, ladies and gentlemen. Welcome back. Welcome back to another episode of Growing Up Gay with your boy Vaughn. And the one and only, the kid, the great Malik. Not the kid. When did you become the kid? Uh, listen, <laughs> I just feel like I just wanted to change my name up really quickly and it came to mind. So I went with it, you know? I'm, I'm feeling it. I'm yeah. feeling it. Well, how have you been since we last recorded Malik? Bitch, I've been a mess. But. Not this bitch. <laughs> <laughs> I've been a mess. But, you know, nonetheless, I'm still here. Like, Tisha, I'm. I'm, I'm, I'm still here, here. <laughs> that part like, always kills me. Yeah. yeah. You better crescendo, yeah. bitch. <laughs> I, I, I really feel like, I'm, I really feel like Gina, like, damn Gina. Like, I love um, her. I was talking about last week, you know, just about how, how difficult April is for me and my family. And um, it, it is very difficult for, for me, especially um, my dad, the day he died was the other day, uh, the 24th was the anniversary, his fifth anniversary. So it was wow. just really interesting. And it, damn, five years yes, already, already it's been five years. It doesn't, it doesn't even feel like it, but it is. Um, and so I just, I kind of, I stayed at home and I just, <laughs> just chilled and my friend came over, um, and we ate and. We just talked and that you know I, I've spent the last few days honestly very like to myself um not really wanting to be bothered with anything or anyone because I've just been kind of like over it um there's some other things that have happened in my life that I can't really talk about because they're, they're involving someone in a very serious matter but it's just very draining on my on my energy so it's just like draining on my energy and the other day, I get an email from the yoga studio I teach at from the um, the owner. She's like, hey, I am out of town, and I'm going to take you off the schedule while I'm gone. And when I come back, we'll talk about you moving forward with us. Or we'll, we'll talk about um, you, you being back on the schedule. I'm just like, what the fuck is going on? Like, you know... It, and it's it was just it's just been very crazy and weird. The energy, the right? Energy. And 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 my I feel you. Mine is my, energy, been my energy has been fucking crazy. But I think I think it's going to. No, I think I know it's gonna. It's all gonna come to a head. It's all gonna like just bubble up and and go away. It's just gonna take some time. But all in all, I'm here. I'm smiling. I'm here. I'm dancing. I'm jigging. Friend, what the fuck is going on with you? Um, <clears throat> not much. I've had like my energy kind of like yours has been all over the place in the past week. Like, <clears throat> I know that I've said that I've I've said before on the show that I've been overworking in corporate America, but I'm really over this shit. Like, I'm so tired of the 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 back and forth the. I, it's really hard for me to be fake, and I feel like in order for you to kind of excel and really make it in certain places, you have to put on a show, and you kind of have to tap dance to please people, and I'm really not good at that. <laughs> like, 
I'm really, really not good at that. I don't know what it is. You know, sometimes I'm like, I wish God didn't make me, like, so ambitious. Because I want so much out of life and so much for myself. And 98.8% of the time, it feels like it's not going to happen. Or it feels like I'm just, my head is too big for the world that I live in. Um, or my reality, I should say. And sometimes I'm like, yo, I just, sometimes I just wish that, like, all I wanted out of life was, like, a job that paid decently and, like, a cute place to live. Because if that was the case, I would be so happy right <laughs> now. <laughs> like, right. I'd be like, oh, I'm there. Right. I'd be like, I'm already there. You know what I mean? But I just have so many hopes and, like, goals and aspirations. And, like, randomly I was walking home today and I was just like, look, you know, I was on, um, because <clears throat> I had to go buy some dress. By the way, my thighs, can y'all please get it together? Like, these... They need to leave my dress pants alone. <laughs> I had to go buy all new, like, not all new. I had to go buy three new pairs of dress pants because the three that I had in certain colors are all fucked up. Like, the thighs are just gone. <laughs> like, the kind the, the, and I, this hasn't happened to me in, like, a while, and I have not put on weight. But I, I've, I, this hasn't happened to me in quite some time. Like, when I was bigger, I was used to the whole thing. And my thighs are always going to be their size. They're just not going to be small. Um, but it's just, and then it made me have to go buy dress pants and I hate buying dress pants because like, do y'all know how hard it is to find like a 33 with a 34 inseam or a 32 with a 34 inseam? Mm, like, that's true. I don't see, I don't do see Do y'all know how, ho- you don't and it's so annoying. <laughs> Every time I'm, I'm like, what the fuck, man? Like people are tall. Make pants for tall people. Like I, people have long legs. It's oh, like it's normal. Why is it? Why is it so hard to find? I know I just went from one end to like a complete other, <laughs> but like that's been my week. It's been all over the place. It's been stressful. I've been like second guessing myself and like decisions that I made to stick. Cause you know, and this goes back to the whole corporate working in the corporate environment thing. When you stand up for yourself. And people aren't used to being stand up, being stood up to, if you will. It can put a target on your back that you aren't necessarily ready for. And I mean, I'm ready for anything because I know God, you know, got me. But like, it's just been so frustrating. I just want to get to a place where I'm working someplace where I'm happy. Like, that is really all that I'm asking for at this point. Like, I just, a nigga just want to like go to work and not literally think to himself okay one more hour okay 45 more minutes like i just i would love to to get a work because i I literally have not since i've started working in hospitality the last time i can say i genuinely genuinely loved my job was when i was a front desk agent and how long ago was that like four years ago because i've been in the industry now for this december to be five years right yeah no no, yeah, this December to be six years. So I've been in the industry for five years, and I, I got promoted to supervisor <clears throat> after nine months, and I loved being a supervisor for front office, but like, I've just been over the whole thing ever since. Just the whole body. There's, yeah, like I'm just I'm done. Like I really just want I want to. Ju- you know what it is? Some some sometimes I'm like, yo, I just want a job where I don't have to manage anybody but my fucking self, because. Trying to like, especially when I feel like, especially when you're not like a director 
of a department, it can be so frustrating trying to do all the things that like when you when I see things and I know what needs to be done for it to be better, but you have to run it to somebody else and that somebody else just doesn't have the same vision, that somebody else is complacent, that somebody else just isn't that girl as the gays would say. It can be frustrating because it's like talking to a brick wall and it's like I know what needs to be done in order for this place to be better. Everyone agrees with me, but the people that you need to agree with you are like, eh. I'm already making my lots of money, so I don't really care what's going on with y'all. Like, you yeah. know what I mean? So, outside of that, though, I have had some good things going on for myself. So, it's, you know, it's been up and down, but, you know, that's life. That's life. But, enough of all that. Let's go ahead and get directly into our Get It Together for this week. <clears throat> yeah, so, this week's Get It Together is about online dating apps so we're all on it we all are doing it it's happening and something wrong with it something wrong with logging on to the apps logging on to the phone logging on to get off <laughs> logging on to get off, okay like whatever like whatever app you're on it's cool uh so i was on an app recently and i'm thinking to myself like these guys do not know how to make small talk and at all the whole purpose of if being on an app is to make small talk to eventually decide if you want to make big boy talk or conversation <laughs> you know or get to know someone better over the phone or either in person or either in their bedroom one of the three but you have to be able to have some type of dialogue to get to one of those three destinations what i don't understand is why is it that it seems to me that people will message you or match you on Tinder and will Oh, Tinder is the worst. Say, Hello. The worst. And, you, and I then hate you'll be like, Hey, how are you? And then they're like, Well or just the most stupidest one word <laughs> just, just dry. dry response. It's like, Oh my gosh And then it's like and then you're deciding, Well, am I gonna take the initiative and guide the conversation and be the one giving all the output or am I just going to give them what they give me and then be like being a dead conversation here's the thing what, what, what I realize is if you take the second stance and be the dead conversation you won't you won't ever meet anyone on Tinder because here's the thing most of the people on there don't know how to hold a conversation especially via small talk via chat so um, my get it together is all you motherfuckers that are online dating. Learn how to carry a conversation. Learn how to actually make people laugh via text, like, or just look up the current events. Do something. But just these one or word. just don't drive your ass into my inbox or, if you ain't got shit to say. Like, yeah, that's the that's the part that I don't get when people like, especially on Tinder. Because, like, you'll swipe someone and it'll be like, oh, they swiped you. Start a conversation. So you would think, like, okay, bet. They've been liked me. Now they see that I like them back. Like, there would be a – and you can even start the conversation. Maybe like, hi, or hello, or what's up, or whatever the case may be is. And they'll just be like, hi. Yeah, hi. And it's like – Oh. But you – you like me. Yeah. You said you, yeah. You, okay. It's, it's weird. Okay. Or, or on the other apps, like, they'll slide in your room, like – What's up? And you're like, oh, nothing much chilling. 
cool. Yeah, cool. Like, what the fuck? Why did you... T- what What was the point of you... <laughs> like, what was the point of you in- initiating the conversation if you have nothing to say? Couldn't you have just stayed your ass over there? No, but see, the thing... 826 <laughs> I, feet away from you? Yeah. Couldn't you just stay over there? <laughs> like, but they want to be, like... They want to be in the mix so desperately. And I really feel like that they just want you to come after them to to court them and it's like to be yeah, chased like they people want to be chased so they'll say I'm not gonna lie I like I like a bit exactly. of a chase everyone like everyone likes a a little bit of a tease a little bit of a chase no 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 I like to to be chased I should say I don't like to chase people. yeah yeah they they like a li- <laughs> like Megan the Stallion says I, nigga I don't chase my liquor why would I chase you <laughs> she did say that <laughs> I love her so much. She was in Atlanta the other day. I love her. Um, but <clears throat> yeah, so that's my get it together, you guys. Don't get in my inbox if you don't got shit to say. I don't even chase because nigga. I don't I have would, time. I chase a nigga. Okay, I don't have time for the shit. And I have to say, I don't have a get to get it together for this <laughs> week. I'm just gonna concur with my good friend Malik and um, say. One thing. I have one thing to say. <laughs> I don't even chase liquor. Why would I chase a nigga? <laughs> nah, but that's, I don't. I don't have any, <laughs> I don't have anything to add. It's just I just I, I agree with Malik a, on a thousand percent. Don't initiate a conversation if you don't have anything to say, and if you don't want to converse, you can simply get straight to the point. Yes, like come on, let's just get straight to it. Yeah, but. That's it for this week's Get It Together. We're going to take a short little break, and we'll be right back with y'all. Hey, y'all. I hope y'all enjoyed the show this far. Please be sure to follow us on social media. On Instagram, the show is G-R-O-W-N-U-P, gay. So that's Growing Up Gay with an N. Twitter, it's Growing Up Gay, G R O W I N U P Gay underscore. To follow us on our personal accounts, Vaughn is underscore Vaughn on Twitter. And IG, it's Vonagram, V A U N A G R A M. To follow me on Twitter, it's at Yo Malik. And on Instagram, it's Malik Khalid Yoga. Now let's get into the next segment. All right, so for this week's Growing Up Gay, Malik and I wanted to focus on the history of homosexuality. Um, <laughs> the reason why this is going to be a, a series of sorts that we'll be doing um, throughout the year where we'll touch on different historical moments or things that involved queer people. Um, the reason why we wanted to do this is because people often act like, you know, homosexual homosexuality was born in 1969 or something. Like, people act like it's this thing, especially now there's the whole gay agenda, quote-unquote gay agenda, where, you know, social media and, and you know, TV and songs and movies are trying to, to turn, that's my quote-unquote voice, turn. <laughs> yeah, turn. Uh, ch- children gay or people gay. And it's just like, that's not it. That's really not it. I mean, there's a myriad of reasons we could start with, hey, you know, the fact that people don't choose sexual orientation. It's just there. Um, But what we want to do is touch on people 
places or times in in history um previous history um where homosexuality was you know loud and, and queer not clear but loud and queer you see how i did you see it okay so malik do you want to start with your first one yeah so <clears throat> i'm going to take you guys back to dorian corey dorian corey was is the star of Paris is Burning, which was a 1990 LGBTQ documentary that highlighted uh, queer people growing up in the ballroom scene. And it just really talked about the family element and the why behind the queer black experience. Why do we, you know, congregate together? Why do we call men mother and father, you know? Why are why were we ostracized from our families? Like so, I just really love that documentary. That that, that documentary because I just felt like it really gave, um, just a definition and a relatable understanding and just like a little, a little sneak peek into what it is to be black and gay. And so, um, I think that is obviously a huge, huge, huge just milestone and reference point pivotal yeah, pivotal, <clears throat> yeah. pivotal reference point when it comes to just the black gay experience and i know i've looked at that and i didn't see that until i was oh my gosh an adult like 20 something you know wow yeah, really so I, I think i i think i was maybe 19 the first time i saw paris is burning and i honestly need to rewatch it because um, I honestly don't remember a lot of Parish is Burning. Uh, I watched it for the first time because of Twitter, actually. Uh, people were talking about it, and I was like, what the fuck is Parish is Burning? Like, is Paris literally? <laughs> I thought it might be Paris Hilton. No, like, I was dead, dead ass. I was like, what did Paris Hilton do? Um, and then I found out what Paris is Burning is. And I think it is one of those pivotal moments in, in, in queer culture and queer history that I think, like, everyone needs to see at least once it needs to be like a starting point yeah. <laughs> if you will because i think it explains so much it explains house culture and it explains where all that came from because a lot of queer people were kicked out of their house they no longer had a home so that's where the ballroom scene kind of uh began yeah absolutely absolutely so, that yeah, that is where the ballroom pivotal. scene began and so um that's my first one vaughn what about yours Real quick, speaking of the ballroom scene, I actually saw, um, I tweeted this the other day, I saw them shooting Pose, the second season of Pose. I was um, walking home from the corner store, actually no, the grocery store, and uh, on 145th, and um, I saw a bunch of trailers, and I thought it was a music video at first, Um, so I was looking around because I noticed... Clearly, there's, there's something being shot here because living in Atlanta, you know what you know what it means when you see like those big trailers yeah. and like everybody, you know what I mean? The the because people shoot movies and TV shows so much in Atlanta that it kind of became the norm whenever you'd see like the big trailers downtown with like the the production, you, see them you know, every, all the production you see them every stuff. Every day in Atlanta now, <clears throat> right yeah. now, yeah, it's super common now. Um, and I thought it was a music video at first, and then I saw chairs that said Blanca. Damon, et cetera, et cetera, had the names of the the people that were starring in that episode. And I actually saw Damon. He's really cute in person. Um, he looks more mature in person than he... He looks a little young, which he's supposed to. That's the point um, <laughs> that's on the, the show. But, <laughs> that's the point. Um, 
but no, it was which was really dope, and I wanted to kind of be like, oh my god, but I, I just kept. Well, I didn't want to like you know fan out or anything, so I just kept walking. But it was really cool. Um, but for me, um, Malik is kind of focusing on people, and I'm focusing on different you know time phrases and Era, cultures and civilizations. Um, so the first one that I wanted to focus on, so the concept of top and bottom is something that's very popular in the gay community and often discussed. Um, and this actually is not a new concept. Um, and also there's always this talk about the slight obsession the community has with like younger individuals, like the... The 16, 17, 18, you know, I always, I was never one of those people, mm-hmm. <laughs> but I always hear, I always hear like dudes share a story about how like when they, they were in like, you know, 11th grade and they were dating somebody that was like 24, 25, 26, et cetera, et cetera. Right. Um, <clears throat> but this was actually quite common in ancient Greece. Um, there were back in the day, well, I was say back in the day in ancient Greece, um, there were the two terms, Erastus and eromenos um it's problematic because um, erastuses were usually in their 20s or early 30s and eromenoses were usually in their you know young to late teens and i actually got this from the stanford uh, university encyclopedia of philosophy and i'm just gonna read a small little um, excerpt and then we'll discuss from there says, even though the gender that one was erotically attracted to at any specific time, given the assumption that persons will likely be attracted to persons of both sexes, uh, was not important. Other issues were salient, such as whether one's um, exercise, mo- I'm sorry, such as one's exercise moderation. Uh, status concerns were also of the highest importance, given that only free men had full status. So this Ironically, the culture that I'm speaking of, because Erastuses were kind of like the tops, and Eromenoses um, were kind of like the bottoms. Um, and ironically, this culture of of men dating boys was very common. Yeah. However, it was only for quote unquote free men. Now, free men means you weren't a slave, you weren't poor, and you weren't. Um, kind of quote unquote normal. It was, it was almost like you had to have like status in order, right, in order to partake in this. Um, so it says sex between free men. I'm sorry, blah, 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 I lost it. Okay, so it says the passive role was accept, um, acceptable only for inferiors such as women, slaves, or male youth. So. <laughs> Erastuses were usually men of power, um, men of some kind of status, and eromenoses were usually boys or um, slaves of some sort. Um, so it kind of goes back to we always see the top and bottom discussion, where one is fear, one is inferior, kind of like the the top is the dominant figure and the bottom is the submissive figure. And it seems that, like, this is something that comes from ancient times, even. It's not something that... it's. I mean, and I know it comes from the heteronormative 
a part of it because it says um, I'm so sorry it says the central um, distinction in ancient Greek sexual relations was between taking an active or insertive role versus a passive or penetrated one the passive role ex was only acceptable for inferiors so you were essentially only allowed to be a bottom if you were a slave um a young boy or simply not a free That's man and isn't that crazy <laughs> so like you so although like this and the thing with the, the whole erastasis and eromenos is like i said it was extremely common but once someone um became you know married they kind of they had to cut that off and it really wasn't just some some you know side thing like they were in relationships um it says in this relationships there were courtship uh courtship rituals involving gifts such as a rooster <laughs> a damn cuckoo <laughs> <laughs> right and, and other and other norms so it's it it just goes to show how common um this was like it, it really wasn't something that was frowned upon or looked down upon it was actually the the normal and the the last part of it that i want us to to touch on um because there was a lot of queerness in in ancient greece i don't want to just say homosexual homosexuality there was a lot of queerness period um but like there were even like an an army of um of queer men that like went into battle um it was it was just it's really fascinating so if you have some time please go and look up um erastuses and eromenoses erastuses okay? and eromenoses mm -hmm. yes <clears throat> okay eromenos. so yes. which one am i <laughs> you, <laughs> uh, you, you tell me. <laughs> which which one? <laughs> you tell. I'm not me. playing with y'all. <laughs> um, I, I appreciate the education. You know, I had heard stories about like this before. Um, but I appreciate getting those uh formalized terms. Those are awesome. Thank you, friend. You know, I tried to do a little yeah, research. Yeah, you did. You definitely did give us some research. Um, my next person um, that I want to talk about that is queer and their significance to the world and queer society and history and shit uh, is Jesse Smollett. Now, <clears throat> I'm bringing him up because I feel like Jesse Smollett, this case and his name will go down in, like, history, especially for queer people. Um, simply because Absolutely. of how high profile it, it it was, like this would be something that we'll talk about. Just how we talk about how we still talk about talk about OJ Simpson, mm -hmm. um, because of how prolific it is, and just about how this city it was the city of Chicago, and it was Jesse Smollett, and he lost his acting job from it, and you know, so I just really feel like this is something that we're going to look back on it and be like, wow, a lot of us were on the wrong side of history. Like, a lot of us were really... Do you think so? I do. I do. 
I I think they will look back and be like, you know what? Where was the humanity? You think so? It sounds. I, I it's it's, it's it, it sounds like you. you know, it's, it's not. It's not completely disagree. It's not even. It's not even that I completely disagree. Is that it's not over yet? Unfortunately well, for Jesse well, it's, and well, for it's, the, it's, the conversation in general, it's still unfolding. It's as not we over, know, right? Yeah, ab- no, no, absolutely. But like, he hasn't even come out and done that interview yet. There's still going to be that interview where he addresses everything. At some point, he's gonna have to to discuss um, what happened, and like, not in a truthful manner. But when I say what happened, I mean everything, the whole situation in general. He's gonna have to have a sit down at some point where this gets discussed. And I don't think it's gonna be to me. I think it's gonna be one of those times in history that kind of gets mocked and I think it's going to be something that people will I don't think people are ever going to stand on one side of it I mean people never stand on one side of damn near anything but I feel like it's always going to be a conversation that's provocative because you're always going to have people that are like, uh, nigga, you lied. And you then you're also going to have people that are like, uh, give a queer man a chance. You know what I mean? Like, and, and, and there kind of is no right or wrong side to be on because you can argue that, I mean, I can make points for either side of the situation and I'm a queer man. So, I mean, I, I don't, I don't, I don't know. But I definitely <laughs> think Jesse, I definitely think Jesse Smollett um, deserves his his respect outside of this moment. Outside of this moment, agreed. Yeah, and I think it's important to you know remember that he, you know, again the advocacy work he's done that he's doing. Right. Um, so yeah, that is that was my second point number two. Um, so the second thing that I wanted to bring up now, this is important for me because I want to discuss, um, society's issue with feminine energy goes back, you know, way beyond, you know, way beyond times that we can even like think of. It's, it's, it's essentially like feminine energy was always a negative thing, which is so weird to me because sometimes you think like, oh, it was just, you know we've been so hyper you know hypersexualized and you know hyper masculinity is kind of like a um can seem like a modern thing you know what i mean i mean we we know for a fact that a lot of it derives from thinking that you know the man is the hunter and the woman is the the caretaker so it it shouldn't have that concept but I want to touch on this because it's it's the Vikings and homosexuality. Now, when I think of Vikings, I never think of anything in regard to their sexual orientation or sex in general. I just think of like a bunch of big white men <laughs> right. that are like really strong and like, you know, and I also think of Rose Nyland from, um, I was about to say girlfriends <laughs> from Golden Girls. <laughs> um, but the reason why I want to bring this up is because homosexuality was actually quite um, normal in Viking, Viking culture. Um, so this comes from Fordham University. This is where I got this from. 
Um, and I'm just going to read a, again a quick little part of it. It says, um, personal research into homosexuality in Viking age shows clearly that the Vikings had words and therefore mental constructs and concepts of same-sex activity. However, since the need of agricultural and pastoral living require reproduction, not only to work the farms, but also to provide support for parents in old age, it was expected that no matter what one's affectional preferences were, that each individual was to marry and reproduce. So this kind of goes back to the similar mindset that the Greece pe- uh, the Grecian people had. This... Uh, this concept, I'm sorry, I'm going I'm to edit that out. It's my dog. This concept goes back to the similar concept that uh, the people of Greece had where they didn't care who was sleeping with who as long as once it was time for you to, to have some children, you did so. And it's funny because I've been watching Game of Thrones recently and there is so much um, whole, a queer activity on Game of Thrones. Really? Men sleeping with men. Yes, and I was not expecting it. I've never it. seen it before. Um, men well, I mean, I've just seen one episode, so I'm, I'm not familiar with like this, like the franchise. With Game of yeah. Thrones, you know what's funny? I wasn't either until a week ago. Um, every time people mention it, I'd be like, "Ugh, white people and dragons." I don't have time. <laughs> but um, <laughs> I I decided to give it a chance, and the first episode was kind of long to like hard to get through, but it is an excellent show. Like I'm really into it. And they, they but like I said, there's so much homosexual, like queer activity that I was like, Oh my gosh, I wasn't expecting any of this. And, um, this goes to show, like I said, even with the Vikings, it was common for them as well. And it's funny because they even had names. Um, and I'm gonna get my Rose Nyland on for y'all real quick. So <laughs> it says a man who shut. So like we said, um, being sexually free and fluid was perfectly normal as long as you got married. Now, the only time they had an issue with this was if you chose not to get married. And they named these people. So, a man who shunned marriage uh, was termed a fuoflogi. Fuoflogi? Yes, a man who shunned marriage was a fuoflogi. And a woman who shunned marriage um, was a flanfluga. So a fluoflogi is a man who flees the female sex organ, and a flanfluga is a woman who flees the male sex organ. So this just goes to show that the Nor- Norwegians, you know, they, they were with the shits. Um, and it says, it must be remembered, however, that laws um, and sagas reflect the Christian consciousness of Iceland and Norwegian in the 13th and 14th century, well after the pagan period. Uh, the myths and legends that honored gods and heroes were believed to part were believed to have partaken in homosexual acts, which may indicate that pre-Christian Viking Scandinavia was more tolerant of homosexuality, and history is altogether silent as a pra- um, as to the practice of lesbianism in the Viking Age. So, kind of similar to other st- other things that I'm going to touch on, everybody was with the shits until Jesus and them pulled up. So, <laughs> do with that what you may. Freaks come out at night. <laughs> Everybody was freaking back in the old days. Like, there weren't any rules back then. Nobody was trying to make up any rules. People were just trying to be free and do what they wanted to do. Yeah. Oh. Absolutely. Take me Absolutely. back to the Viking days. 
<laughs> you're trying to be a flu a flu a flu a flu a few a few take me back to the back yeah. I'll be out there having a good time with those people um <laughs> you guys so uh I want to touch on a, a young man by the name of Bayward Rustin uh Mr. Rustin was a key advisor to MLK and he shared the philosophy the, the philosophy of nonviolence with MLK so that's where he got it from um, so if you ever were upset about MLK and why he didn't go a little hard or, or, or why he wasn't rowdy, rowdy and bowdy, bowdy on his Malcolm X, why he wasn't trying to shoot people and stab them, you have to blame Mr. Baywood Rustin for all that. All right. Look at us being peaceful. Look at, look at, look at the children trying to break in the, children. the peace, keeping us together. Um, Mr. Rustin, he also, um, helped organize what was the lead or organizer for the march on Washington. And one thing that I really like about him is that <laughs> he refused to register for the draft and he was jailed for two years because he said, I'm not going to no white man's war. Absolutely. Like, come on. I too How legendary. would not have gone to white man's war. Yeah. No. Like, uh, uh-uh. he, he was, he was not, he was not with it. Um, along with his two year jail, jail sentence for, not going to the war and not not signing up for the draft. He was arrested countless times for his advocacy and his protesting. Uh, And in the 50s, (laughs) he was randomly arrested for showing what we would just call affection. Uh, He he was arrested for a morality law for engaging in a homosexual act in public. Like, crazy, right? That's wild. Yeah. I mean, there's still laws like that now in other countries. There are. But, there are. Like, yeah. just over in Dubai, you can't even, you can't have any acts of homosexuality, or they can lock your ass up over there for doing that. Um, in in certain parts of Africa, they kill you. Yeah. yeah. Castrate you. It's yeah. crazy. It's it's really bad. Like, international international respect and law and, and, and just tolerance is, is still really bad. Um, yeah. And a fun fact about... Uh, Mr. Rustin, uh, in 2007, uh, the permission of the estate of, of Bayard Rustin, uh, they granted a, an, an LGBTQ group in San Francisco uh, to start the LGBTQ, LGBTQ coalition to promote a greater participation in the electoral process, advance civil and human rights, rights issues, and promote the legacy of Rustin. In addition, the Bayward Rustin Center for LGBTQA Activism, Awareness, and Reconciliation is located at the Gopher College, a Quaker school. So, shout out to Mr. Bayward Rustin. Shout out to shout him. Out. Shout out to shout out to Mr. Rustin. Um, the next thing that I wanted to focus on was this one is a little bit more common. Uh, I think it, it's of the, the things that I'm going to mention, it's the, it's the one I heard of prior to looking into this. Um, and the reason why I chose this is because people like to poke fun at, um, or not even poke fun at, they, they like to act like being non-binary or transgender are like these new things that people just came up with. And that's why I want to focus on the two-spirit people of Native Indian tribes. Mm. Um, and I, I've given them the title, the original non-binary baddies. That's hot. Um, <laughs> it says, um, essentially, two-spirit people, well, Native American people, essentially 
neither identified as male or as female. They simply allowed both energies to in, live within both bodies, uh, with, within one body freely. And they were actually very well celebrated. They were often um, saw as healers um, or as good luck for tribes. Um, so this passage comes from... Um, the international i'm sorry from ihs ihs which is the indian uh indian health services um the passage says traditionally native american two-spirit people were male female and sometimes intersexed individuals who combined activities of both men and women with traits unique to their status of two-spirit people in most tribes, they were considered neither men nor women. They occupied a distinct al uh, alternative gender status. In tribes where two-spirit males and females were referred to with the same term, this status amounted to a third gender. Now, look at that. Mm. Gender identity was alive and well in Native America. It's, like, it's nothing new. It's nothing new. They created a whole third gender. They, they didn't even fight over it. Y'all worried about who's going to pee in um, pee in a bathroom. And the Native Indians was like, it's no problem, sis. Like, we got you. Um, so they, they had specialized work roles. Uh, the male and female two-spirit people were typically described um, in terms of their preference. You hear that? They were described in terms of their preference. So when someone says that they would like to be called they, them, her, she, he, him, regardless of however you or others feel about it, you can do like the Native Americans did and do what? Honor what they ask. Okay. Um, it says two-spirit individuals were experts in traditional arts such as pottery, um, basket weaving, and manufacturers. And I'm sorry, uh, the manufacturing of leather goods. Um, among the Navajo, two-spirit males often became weavers, usually women and men's work, uh, as as well as healers, which was considered a male's role. So, in the in the Navajo tribe, two-spirit women could also be healers. Because being a healer was a quote-unquote male role. Um, but for the Navajo, they allowed their two-spirit women to also take on that role. Um, so two-spirit females engaged in activities such as hunting and warfare and became leaders in war and even chiefs. Um, which is really just bomb to me. I love that they were that, you know, free-thinking and that ahead of the game, like... It's insane to me because this is not like the, the 1800s or the 1700s. Like, this is way, way, way back in the day. Like, yeah, I think it's so cool. I, I actually know a two-spirit person. <clears throat> oh, that's dope. Yeah, and, um, and he, trans he began to transition about four years ago. Um, and he lives just this full life, and he goes around advocating. His, his name is Holiday Simmons. Um, and he lives here in Atlanta, but he was my first person that I ever experienced that was two-spirited. I began to learn, um, a lot about that 
through him. That's dope. Yeah. I've never, uh, I mean, I've had the pleasure of meeting one non-binary person. Um, it was actually at, at work. <laughs> um, but I just, I just think it's fascinating how in, in simpler times, people were able to like, let people be. Like, at the end of the day, if you just live and let live, you won't have any issues, man. Like, just, just live and let live. Live and let live. Live and let God and mind your business. Mind your damn business. Oh, shit. It all, it all could be so simple. It could all be so simple. Um, So, my next one is going to be about Josephine Bakers, who was born in 1906. Legend. 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 Icon, 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 icon. Mother, 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 mother of all mothers. Um, <laughs> Josephine Baker, she was born in 1906 in St. Louis. Uh, and like most people in the 1900s, they were poor. She was, she grew up very poor. Um, and she learned how to dance. And then she uh, went to Broadway in New York where she danced for many years. And then in 1920, she moved over to France uh, and, and traveled Europe. And she became... The highest paid and most successful person in Europe and keep in mind she was a black woman going over there slaying like killing the game um, what's really cool about Josephine Baker is that she had a clause in her contract that said that um, you will not pay me any less because of my skin color so at a at, that's what I'm talking yeah, about yeah like she was so bossy and she knew her business and she knew and, and she knew how to command exactly what she wanted and that's how she was able to transcend race and be able to fight and demand what she wanted because of her talent um i th- i read about her that she had 12 children and she she always wanted to have what was called a rainbow family and uh all of her kids were of different races and they were from mm-hmm. different countries in europe and so but i thought that was really interesting that she wanted to have um a mixed race family like that and, and she adopted all of the kids um and she wanted her own little melting she pot she literally had her own little melting pot I mean you know yeah. since she was I'm sure she was some type of mix right as, as fair as she was um and Josephine Baker she's most known uh for her you know the lady in the the girl in the banana skirt banana skirt for, for yes. those who don't know who she is um yeah, that's Josephine Baker. She, um, w- one of the highest honors that she got was the Croix de Guerre, Croix de Guerre, uh, which is a huge honor that she got for working in, for working, uh, for working in the war, helping the French, the French resistance. So, Josephine Baker. Uh, yes, you better have your French. I could not get it. <laughs> but yeah You know my You know the tongue is You know special Now how do you use that tongue <laughs> Mind your business <laughs> um, The Second to last thing That I wanted to focus on Was actually the earliest Depiction Of homosexuality Found in, found in ancient times Do you want to guess Where this was found Where With the niggas in Africa Oh my god Zimbabwe to be exact, eight thousand BC. Get into that, y'all. Eight thousand 
BC. And this was found in Zimbabwe. In Zimbabwe, Africa, in 8000 BC. Um, I was really wanted to focus on Africa in general in regard to the homosexuality in ancient times because a lot of black people um, love to claim that homosexuality is like a European thing. That was the niggas not pumas. It's not a European thing. Um, that kind of was so brought on to black people or forced onto black people to demasculate or I'm sorry emasculate the uh, black man. So they like to act like this. It never happened in Africa, but Zimbabwe says otherwise. And there's actually quite a lot. I don't know why with Zimbabwe, but there's actually quite a lot of um, history of homosexuality in Uganda. Uh, I mean, sorry, in in Africa, but especially in in Zimbabwe. Um, and I think it's partially because they they were some of the first countries to enact laws against it. Um, so there's a lot of like court cases that were kept, like records from the 1800s of people going on trial um, for acts of homosexuality. Um, And quite similar to the ancient Greece, how it was normal for relationships to be formed between uh, boys and and men, it was the same thing. And and a lot of uh, African uh, villages, period, but especially in Zimbabwe, where um, in the the villages, it was quite normal for families to even sell their, 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 their boys to be temporary wives and they would perform all the wively duties now like i said there were court cases because some people were tried for their homosexual acts uh they weren't killed or anything like that but some of them were tried and they gave a very um a vast number of reasons as to why and it was so funny because <laughs> um what <laughs> in one of the articles that i was re- reading i was like niggas Niggas always been ain't shit because like <laughs> they had like record of one of the 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 trials and when the the guy asked that, like some of the responses were like oh a, a demon spirit took over me I didn't know what I was doing <laughs> and it ranged from that to like nah I knew what I was doing and I didn't do it with a woman on purpose like I wanted a man like it ranged but back to the earliest form of uh, homosexuality found in ancient times. Um, so sorry. I just wanted to read the 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 passage. Me find it. Give me one second. Okay. So it says prior to the introduc- introduction of. I'm sorry. Prior to the introduction. Uh, I can't read. Prior to the introduction of mission Christianity onto African continents, there um, existed an enormous variety of traditional African religions. These faiths share. Uh, these faiths shared many commonalities with each other while possessing unique characteristics and rituals depending on the geographical location uh, of the tribe practicing uh, the faith in question. In pre-Christian and thus pre-colonial, get into that irony, right? Y'all thought it was the colonizers that brought the gay shit there, but (laughs) little did you know, prior to them arriving, um, in pre-Christian Africa, traditional African faith centered on the honoring of one's ancestors, the spirits and presence of whom remained among the living. Um, For they often believed to have acted as intermediaries between the living and the divine. These faiths emphasize the vital importance of praying and honoring and departed so to ensure a bountiful harvest, uh, good health of living and general 
uh, prevention of hardships. These faiths did not offer critiques of homosexuality or human sexuality in general. For that matter, that was Christianity's job. Um, and the oldest form, um, like I said, it was a rock, which sounds weird, but um, there were paintings found in, in Zimbabwe, Africa from 8,000 BC that depicted two men engaging in relations. Wow. I ain't gonna, I'm not gonna specify. But the rock showed men and actually uh, women engaging in relations. I'll just, I'll leave it there. <laughs> I'll, I'll leave it right there. You you can take, do with that what you may. Do with that what you they may. They're still not going to believe it. I know. You know, they still find a way. I got, I, I got one more tucked in my back pocket for y'all. By the way, Egypt was very gay, which isn't really surprising because, I mean, they wore makeup. But I'm joking. <laughs> but no, Egypt was very gay. But do you want to go ahead with your last one, Malik? Yes. Okay, you guys. So my last person is none other than James Baldwin. Uh, James Baldwin is a writer, an activist, and overall what I call a master teacher. Uh, Baldwin was born mm-hmm. in... Absolutely. Yeah, he was born in 1924 in Harlem. And what I love... Hey. Yeah, that's where you live at. Uh, <laughs> yes. What I love most about Baldwin is... He had this thinking that um, he, he said he said in an interview back in um, the 1950s that he sees queerness and gayness and, and that experience becoming so widespread and so advanced that people won't even have to say that they are anymore. There'll be no there'll be no need to um, segregate or have to give a title about yourself before you get there. And I just, I just really, that, that thinking really just hit home for me because I felt like, wow, like, how amazing would that be if there was no need to do that? Because, I mean, when you think about it, head on known people, they don't introduce themselves as gay. Obviously, I don't either, but they, they never feel the need to. They never... Um, that that's not something that they even think about, you know, doing that, F- feeling the need to um, identify themselves with their sexuality. And um, Baldwin wrote a lot of really cool books. Um, the one that he's most known for, I think, is I'm Not Your Negro. Um, yeah, just overall, I, he just really just pushed a lot of boundaries and um, I think I think really was just imperative and important when it came to um, you know breaking new ground with with literacy and, and, and racial and, and social justice issues. Yeah, he was masterful in his work yeah. as well. Mm-hmm. Just absolutely, absolutely. Um, <clears throat> the last thing that I wanted to focus on, and it's it's. Not ironic, but all all of um, all of the things I've touched on so so far, at some point or another, <laughs> Christianity comes in there and is like, whoa, 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 chill with all this gay shit. 
that's not what y'all need to be doing. Um, and most people went along with that, but there was one person, one person who said, nah, I'm not with this shit. And who was that? Um, that was Mwanga, the second Kabaka of Buganda. I'm going to say that one more time. Mwanga, the second Kabaka of Buganda. Now, Kabaka means king. So he was the king of Buganda. Buganda was a kingdom within Uganda. Hence the name sounding similar. Um, and this one was re- this pro- was probably the most fascinating person that I discovered. Because like I said, I wasn't really looking for people. I found a few. There's a few Asian emperors and, um, you know, European you know gods or whatever greek gods or whatever that um happen to have be queer or engage in in relations with same sex um but i thought this one was really interesting because again it was a, it's a black man huh what, what is that black man i'm sorry your 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 masculine energy it's it's, fra- it's fragile oh okay uh, there was a black uh, man who was the king. He actually became king of Buganda when he was 16 years old. Um, and he was actually bisexual. He had a bunch of children <laughs> and slept with women. However, he very proudly slept with men. And the reason why I brought this up, uh, brought him up, is because unlike most people when christianity came into uganda and and into buganda he was not with it because the muslim and the pagan men slept with him but the the newly converted christian men and catholic men wouldn't sleep with him um and he actually killed a lot of the 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 catholic men um, in his community because they were trying to, A, spread Catholicism, which barred same-sex relations, um, and B, refused to partake in sexual activity with him, which is problematic because you can't kill somebody just because they don't want to sleep with you. However, um, like I said, that he wasn't feeling them not feeling him. <laughs> so I just, want, I just wanted to read this passage where it says, at, um, at the time... Uh, the king practiced the works of Sodom. Muslims and pagans were prepared to do things with the king, but Catholics absolutely refused. For that reason, the king began to detest them and uh, deliberated with pagans and Muslims about putting them to death, the Catholics. So according to Thunin, who was a um, a martress, um, he refused to sleep with the bisexual king, because he was Christian, um, not because of the sexual practice. I'm sorry. It says uh, not because this kind of sexual practice was particularly unusual among the Bagandan at the time, but due to their religion, their, their newfound religion, they no longer participated in sexual acts. Um, so there is a little somebody for you know that's who they need to make a movie. Now this is a movie that I, w- I would want to see. Yeah, that'd be a good movie. Like. Like, 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 can you him imagine who doesn't want to be with him? Yes, come on now. I would love to see just that. A, a, imagine the movie that could be made of an African king that was sexually fluid, a strong black African king that ruled his nation that also was fucking with niggas. 
I think, you know, I mean, we have, you know, Moonlight was cute and all, <laughs> but this is my kind of character. You know? like, <laughs> <laughs> this could be a movie. Talk about Wakanda. <laughs> like, that's the Black Panther. We, no, I'm just joking. Like, let me stop being Black Panther. But, that's the real Black Panther. <laughs> um, but no, I, I do think it would be, it would just be amazing to see this story be told. You know, we, we often talk about how we're tired of seeing slave movies. We're tired of seeing, you know, people of color portrayed the same typical way. Um, and I think this is a really different spin. And it's true. It's actual history. Um, so, you know, um, what's old boy name from... Lee Daniels, I know you're making super bitch right now with the, the, the boy in the pink boots that be flipping around and stuff, <laughs> but this is where you need to invest your time and your money. Now, this <laughs> would be a movie. Okay, the boy flipping in the pink boots is cool and all. I'm happy he's getting his moment, but this is what the people... Who would you cast as Mwanga? I would cast myself. I think I would do... Nigga. <laughs> bitch, I think... I would do. So now you act. No, seriously. Um, I would want to get like an unknown. Mm. I would. I would. I. Would, I love getting unknown for 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 parts like this because I feel like an unknown is gonna yeah. come in and really like bring the the part alive in a way that you wouldn't expect. Like, I think it's best to get an unknown for roles like this, like because like you, you have no clue what they're gonna do, but they're gonna be good. Yeah, I'm I'm actually not mad at the idea of of an of an unknown actor because I remember for the when I saw Moonlight for the first time, I was like, "Who See? is that?" I had and no- it was Travante, it was Travante Rhodes, and I had never even heard of Travante prior to Moonlight. So I'm not mad at it being an unknown. I'm not mad at that, but I I do like j- like all jokes aside. I think that would be a phenomenal movie. And uh, it could actually be a really good series because just the, the not even not even the sexual part of it, just the fact that he became king at 16 and then had to rule that like we've never heard that kind of story told about a black man. Never. Never. So, you know, Netflix, uh Hulu and y'all just throw me my little 5-10% and go ahead and make it happen. Make it happen, niggas. So that was it for this week's Growing Up Gay. Um, if you are interested in hearing more or if you'd like to, to know, you know, links and stuff where we found this information, please let us know. We'll pass it on your way. Um, but until then, we're going to take a short little break and we'll be right back with you. Hey, everyone. It's Malik. If you have any questions for Vaughn and I, suggestions for the show or if you'd like to sponsor one of our episodes hit us up at growingupgay at gmail.com or contact Valna directly you can email me at malik at growingupgay.com or vaughn at growingupgay.com now let's get into the next segment all right so we are back for the wind down the wind down down. Um, if this if this is your first time listening to us, uh, the wind down segment is kind of our relax, hence the name. Um, it's where we focus on like celebrity and social media topics, things that aren't too heavy. Um, 
But the first thing that I want to discuss, and this actually really pissed me off, like all jokes aside, all fun aside, um, I think it's really an awful thing to see a, a person's art stolen in, in just in any aspect. But for a black woman to be stealing from a queer, from queer people of color and, and, and putting a white person on, if you will, is just so disgusting to me. Um, so if you guys haven't heard, you know, the Shade Room has had massive success um, since it started. Um, and it's it's kind of funny. I always say because the, the Shade Room kind of was birthed from the comment creeping of the Rihanna Navy dispute your aunties if you want to we started that shit not we because i wasn't doing it but there was a page by the name of replies that would literally screenshot everything that rihanna replied to on social media and at the time this was like 2012 2011 when um she and the person that she used to date kind of started re-interacting with one another one another so it was them fans just trying to be nosy and see like you know interaction between two friend groups that weren't supposed to be friend groups and then it became like cat um getting her clapbacks and all that kind of stuff and then the shade room well not just the shade room a lot of other um companies started comment creeping which is i think the, the first name for it was comment creeping um but the shade room has built a massive massive massively successful um brand off of that however the owner of the Shade Room has now teamed up um, with Landon Romano. I don't know if you guys know who Landon Romano is. He's the little white boy who stole um, Pretty V's shtick. Um, he stole her whole bit. And he, he, in general, Landon has, has kind of always mocked, mimicked um, black women and, and queer men of color i should state not just regular queer men just queer men of color i remember following him on vine when he was in college prior to him stealing people's bits he would try to do stuff that was funny and he definitely i'm not gonna lie i'm gonna give him his his thing back then he had some content that you can definitely tell that it was influenced by you know sassy quote-unquote sassy black women or you know gay black men but it was a very it was to me it was more honest mm -hmm. more it was kind of like the white right it was more genuine it's kind of like the white boy that you know grew up not in the hood but like had some black friends and like he knew a, a black gay that became his friend and like he kind of just naturally took on that person's characteristic like this is the things he would say and then like as vine started to die a lot of there was that that awkward stage where a lot of the viners kind of were like, uh, we don't know what we're doing, we don't know where to go. Now we've seen some of them become massive, um, like Supa, who uh, now has the crayon case and has built a, a legit empire, um, and and you, then you have the people like the Landon who kind of bounced around from Twitter to Instagram to YouTube, et cetera, et cetera, trying to figure out what was their next thing. When Landon found Pretty V. Um, and started copying her, that worked really well for him. So anyway, um, so yeah, the Shade Room's owner by the name of Angelica, uh, she is teaming up to bring original content for the Shade Room. And I'm guessing it's going to be 
I don't know if it's going to be exclusive to Instagram or if she secured a deal probably with VH1. I really wouldn't be surprised um, if she, she secured a deal. But they're actually really taking this thing seriously. They've um, secured a few daytime Emmy-nominated nom- producers, which are two women, by the way, to help kind of bring all this into to light. The issue that I have with it is they've stolen... Um, T.S. Madison, I'm sorry, I drew a blank for a second. They've stolen T.S. Madison's Queen's Court idea and are now calling it Petty Court. So it says the series Petty Court is a court show for guests to air their petty grievances hosted by Instagram star Landon, uh, Landon Romano, who will act as a judge, struggle, chef. I'm sorry, chief. So... This is literally what T.S. Madison um, and Kaya used to do with Queen's Court. We all know the case closed, <laughs> you know, next case meme that has is be, like viral is not even a good enough word for it. We, we've all seen the, the clips. We've all seen the gifts like and to me, it's just so disgusting. Like, why not? Especially as a black woman, why not go directly to T.S. Madison and say, hey, I see what you're doing. I see how people respond to it. Let's make it big. Let's let's take it to that next, next level because you're trying to create original, because I'm trying to create original content for The Shade Room. You're already doing this thing that we want. Why not go to that person? Well, I mean, I know why not because you can simply replicate it, put a white person in front of it and get the attention of major, of major companies and, and not pay the person, not pay T.S. Uh, Madison for what she right, what she rightly deserves for the thing she created. Right. So, I I just think it's really disgusting, and I don't wish people bad, but that Landon young man, he need, it just he needs to just be sat down and 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 put in his place because you steal pretty V stick like verb like he literally took everything pretty V was doing verbatim like literally the kind of comedy she was doing like would like I, it's just it's disgusting to me because it's like if you're a content creator and you already know like how hard that world is why would you not even like i just don't understand how you're comfortable doing i mean i get it like it works for him and unfortunately we were, for people like pretty v they don't have whiteness on their side so they're not they don't they're, they don't have the the same general white audience so you can just steal from them and essentially not do anything or or mean anything or go anywhere but it's just i don't understand how people like that are comfortable just stealing from people knowing that you're completely ripping off someone's entire identity i just i don't get it i definitely don't get it either and um <laughs> it's 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 pretty shitty like when i first heard about this i was like whoa like what do you mean like i at first i, did, I just couldn't i couldn't believe that someone would try to like rip off T.S. Madison because her show is it's so big like her show is it's not right. like a small thing like her show is like viral viral so right she goes on tours and everything exactly so it, it's, it's just really shitty especially for the shade room to be black owned it's like girl like wow that's fucked up it is and I mean part of me like I part I partly want to commend it because she is kind of stepping out of the celebrity 
gossip part and she's trying to create this original content which apparently is going to be exclusive to instagram i just read that i don't know if it's going to be on igtv or how they're going to do that but it's going to be exclusive to instagram which also to me says that like instagram obviously has is playing some part in this like not that she's not making enough money because i'm sure she's making more than enough money but i have a feeling that to to create all the things that she's crying she's going to create and that she is creating all this original content and the fact that she's able to get the kind of backing and support that she needs kind of makes me feel like ig instagram is 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 backing it a little bit because we all know igtv isn't really working (laughs) it's not really off the ground so I, i feel like why not go to a company like shade room that has this massive success and say, hey, let's test this original content thing out on IGTV. You know what I mean? That makes sense. But it's it's disgusting that she's doing it, and it's even more disgusting, in my opinion, that Landon has signed on. Because unfortunately, I mean, and, and, and we shouldn't be surprised, because let's be real here. The white gays have always stole from the black gays, and, you know, straight black women, cisgender, heterosexual straight uh black women have not always been on our side has not they just they just haven't we've discussed it in previous episodes but they just often aren't on our side so um both of them can kick rocks (laughs) um the last thing that i wanted to touch on was now this was this kind of was super viral for like a few days on social media and i saw a lot of varying opinions in regard to this um and did you hear about the, the the high school that set a dress code for the parents? I heard a little bit about it. You didn't dive, you didn't deep dive but, into but it? But I haven't gotten deep, 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 deep into it. But I did hear bits and pieces about it on Twitter. Mm-hmm. Okay. So a, a Houston high school principal um, sparked outrage with her new dress code banning parents... Uh, from wearing bonnets, um, s- bonnets, scarves, um, ripped jeans, or or any or any clothing that like showed midriff. Um, so essentially, the the parents couldn't pick up their kids from. Well, I'm sorry, the parents couldn't come to the schools dressed in that manner, and there were a lot of people saying that it was anti-black, saying that it was. Um, you know, and anti-black. I don't know. That's that's the only way I can think of um, this statement. So it's James Madison High School, um, and the principal's name is Carletta Outley Brown. She issued a letter to parents um, on April 9th, basically banning items such as, like I said, satin caps, shower caps, bonnets, hair rollers, or revealing jeans and shirts. Uh, from the school grounds it says to prepare our children and let them know daily the appropriate attire they are supposed to wear when entering a building going somewhere applying for a job or visiting someone outside of a home setting i'm going to enforce these guidelines on a daily basis at madison high school we are preparing our children for the future and it begins here um miss bro fuck you <laughs> you know what I'm sorry. I I agree with her. Listen, I definitely agree with her. I do, but it's still a big f you to her, and the reason why it's like, 
that does it, it you are specifically targeting black people you're saying black people i'm tired of, i'm tired of seeing y'all bring y'all crazy looking ass up here looking crazy and not dressed appropriately i get it i get it i get it but i and but I I, I I do just feel like i feel like is it anti-black or is it anti-ghetto it's anti-ghetto but because it's not anti but and i think that's yeah, my issue it's with anti-ghetto it. like you, you, that's what it is it's anti-ghetto you, and that's yeah. my issue with it because i've been a black man my whole life but what's I was wrong raised with being by a black ghetto? mother nothing but here's the thing if i'm gonna judge white people for walking around a hotel barefoot i'm sorry i'm gonna judge you for picking you for going up to school in a like my mother never did things like that my mother never left the house <laughs> in rollers she never let at least not well not getting out of the car i should say like in a bonnet my mother would always be like why are people wearing put like in just in general like even things like wearing pajamas outside of the house my parents just raised me both my parents my mother and my father always raised me to make sure that i'm presentable anywhere that i'm going and i feel like i'm not gonna lie I went to school in South Florida for uh, um in, up until eight, um, eighth grade, right? It wasn't until I moved to Atlanta <laughs> that I started seeing people, parents, I should say, come to school with hair rollers in, satin caps. They would be wearing like pajama pants, um, a old beat up t shirt, and like house slippers. And I said, and I would be like, you really came to school dressed, I mean, to, to pick, like, what? Yes. Why are you wearing yes. this? That's exactly and, how they came and, to school dressed. No. And that's my thing. I don't think it's anti-black because white people can do this as well. Because I've also seen, because my school had a few white people in there. I mean, it was like 95% black. But there was on occasion where I would see a white parent come in like a ratty t-shirt, some shorts, and like hair in a ponytail or like you know and house slippers and i'd be like why you why why just why and i i i i don't think it's anti-black right and and i I think the discussion that i really want to have is why black people especially like ever ever since like the social I'm going to say the social sensitivity has changed. Society is a lot more aware and a lot more alert and a lot more informed in regard to like passive aggressive or like, you know, microaggressive uh, racism. So I kind of feel like we think everything is anti-black sometimes. and, And I don't think this is one of those cases because in order for something in my personal opinion to be anti-black, it, it would have to be something like the texture of your hair, the color of your skin, um, your natural body shape or size, things like that. Discrimination in areas of those concerns to me can definitely be considered anti-black because those are things you can't control. You can't control that your hair is, is kinky or coily. You can't control, um, you know, the fact that you might have full hips, an ass, whatever the case may be is. You can't control, but like wearing us, that's a decision. 
you are deciding to leave the house dressed a certain way. You are deciding to present yourself in a manner that you know isn't acceptable. And I get it. Like, you're, you're only a parent, you know, dropping your kid off at school or something. It's not that deep. I'm, you don't have to come there, you know, with your face beat and a gown and, you know, you know, Naomi Campbell across the... Like, that's not it. However, like, you know, throw on a pair of jeans and a, a clean t-shirt and a hat, you know, or maybe just, you know, if you're going to have your hair in rollers, put on a, a nice scarf and tie it up so it looks cute. Like, you just, you know what I mean? Just polish things up a little bit. Like, don't always leave the house willingly looking uncrazy because, like, what if something happens to you? Then you're just out here looking crazy. Yeah, I agree. I, I, I agree. It's, and I'm yeah. not anti-ghetto. I mean, I love, I love the, I, I low-key live in a ghetto, but I love the ghetto. You know what I mean? Like, I'm not anti-ghetto at all. It's just, it's a matter of presentation. And like I said, if I'm going to judge, we all judge Britney Spears when we saw her leaving that bathroom barefoot. When we saw Britney Spears leaving that gas station bathroom barefoot, we all said, ugh, trailer park trash. <laughs> so if we're going to do that... And I know y'all judge white people when y'all see them out there looking raggedy. I know it. So don't act like, you know, it's it's super unheard of for someone to see your auntie at the school in hair rollers and a bonnet and pajamas and house slippers. You know, like, come on, that's just not, you don't have to do that. And I understand the hair isn't always, so I want a hat. You know, just, you know, just, you know, take a little extra five minutes. Before you go up to Miss Miss Brown's school, just take a little extra five minutes. That's just my take on it. I agree. My mother never would drop my sister off looking crazy. Never. Never. She would never do never. that. And she made it very clear that she was not going to do that. And she would roast the other parents who did come up to the school looking crazy and you know, and and I know she, and I know a lot of people because that's what, that was. I think that was my thing. I'm like y'all are y'all are so woke these days that y'all are trying to act like your your parents just walked around like. Especially some of the people that I I saw on my timeline. I'm like I know your parents didn't walk out the house like that. Like your your parents are not those kind of people. So I don't know why you're acting like it's it's so uncommon for this teacher to want the the parents to set a better example for their children. Get it together. Get that together. But <laughs> that is it for this week's episode. Thank you all so much for tuning in to us. Um, as always, there is another segment, by the way, named Spill It. We're just waiting for you to give us something to spill. Uh, the Spill It segment is where we answer questions. We give out advice. If you need help with anything, if you know... You have a conundrum of sorts that you would like for us to help you work through. Please be sure to reach out to us at growingupgay at gmail.com or uh, Malik at growingupgay or Vaughn at growingupgay.com. And we can answer those questions for you. But until then, please make sure you're following us on all of our social medias. Please make sure you're rating us five stars on iTunes. And of course, you can follow myself on Twitter at underscore Vaughn, V-A-U-N. Or on Instagram, which I don't use right now, at Vonagram and Malik. You can follow me on Twitter at Yo Malik. 
And you can follow me on Instagram at Malik Khalid Yoga. That's right, ladies and gentlemen, and hope you all have a wonderful day. Thanks for listening. Bye.